the DCU Soccer Podcast. Um, I'm here with a return guest. Uh, you want to introduce yourself? Hey, my name is Daniel Wise. Uh, back again for another episode of uh, the DCU Soccer Podcast. Really happy to be back. Uh, you know, at least in, in this capacity, but maybe not so happy in other regards uh, after this weekend. So uh, do we do we just want to get right into it or do we want to go with the introductions and, and <laughs> you know, because I'm 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 kind of I'm kind of ready. You're feeling that. Yeah. yeah. We had uh, some chats about this at times. So I guess, you know, if you want to if you want to get some introductions out of the way about where to find us and all of that, we can we can start that off. But just know I'm I'm kind of ready to go. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I wanted uh, to first start off with, with you telling uh, the, the people uh, something you've been working on uh, and, and kind of see, you know, um, if you want to talk about that a little bit first. Yeah, so like I've, I've said before, I run a newsletter called Soccer Made Simple, and it kind of got put on the back burner for a bit because of some life stuff, but it's uh, I'm, I'm going to be relaunching it uh, next weekend, along with a the Soccer Made Simple podcast. I did uh, a, a first introductory episode this last weekend, just sort of doing a little handshake about, you know, how I personally got into following soccer and what I hope to sort of do with the podcast and the newsletter sort of working hand in hand with each other. So at the moment, uh, it can be found on Spotify if you look for Soccer Made Simple, or uh, you can also find it on a whole bunch of other sources. But mainly, it's at anchor.fm forward slash Daniel dash wise. And that's where you can get the Soccer Made Simple podcast sort of right there in your browser. Uh, it'll also have, uh, you know, sort of the providers listed. So as those start rolling in, uh, it's going to be on Apple Podcasts soon. It's, I think it's on Google Podcasts now. So it's getting on all the major platforms. And then uh, it's also got an option to send uh, questions or voicemails my way. And I'd love to uh, get some input from some people, uh, especially, you know, for people who are, you know, learning about the sport or want to figure out how they can, you know, talk to other people about the sport. I'd love to share my thoughts about that. So, uh, yeah, I can be found on Twitter and Instagram at S Dakota soccer. And then, like I said, tinyletter.com forward slash soccer made simple is how to get the newsletter. And then anchor.fm forward slash Daniel dash wise is how to get the podcast. And like I said, it's on Spotify, it's on Google Podcasts, it'll be on Apple Podcasts pretty soon. Uh, so just whatever major platform, just search for Soccer Made Simple, and it should show up. But uh, yeah, super happy to get all of that rolling. Uh, really, you and a whole bunch of other DC United guys have really got me into uh, doing this podcasting thing now. And, and I'm just really happy to to be involved with that. So yeah, uh, big thanks to you, to you and a whole bunch of other people for helping me come to this point. Yeah, totally. Um, definitely check that out. Uh, and, um, you know, we're, we're still working on uh, potentially making this show a more regular thing, kind of seeing how that goes. Um, but 
yeah, I kind of want to, I guess, jump right on in unless you have something else you wanted to say. That's it. So I'll start this by saying with a little adage. Uh, When I was working in D.C., I had a boss who was pretty, pretty boisterous as a person, respectful. But, you know, if I did something inexplicable or, uh, you know, sort of stupid from time to time, he'd go, how am I supposed to interpret this? How am I supposed to look at what you've done here? And how am I supposed to see any of this as good? So if I were to embody (laughs) my boss and and be across from Ben Olsen right now, I met Ben Olsen a couple of times. He's a a fantastic guy, but I, I would be pretty frank with him because, you know, he's kind of a frank guy himself. Uh, I'd just be like, how in the world am I supposed to look at what the, there were, there were spots. Sure. There are, there are positive areas to look, but how am I supposed to look at that full team effort and say, this, this is a sign of something good to come. I'm seeing spots, but overall I'm seeing that going into the game, I thought was going to be solid. But then coming away from the game, I'm starting to really wonder, and I know it's the first game, and I know this is after a rough preseason and all that, and after a really rough injury to Paul Ariola, uh, having him off of the field is not a great thing. But how, Ben, how, how is it that you boldly line up with this 2-3-1 formation because your left back and you, one of your center backs just decided to completely not show up in this game. Uh, <laughs> if you look at the Audi player index, look at what what uh, um, Mora tallied in 90 minutes of play, and what Frederick, Frederick uh, Briant tallied. Briant, uh, a pretty awful. I think he had like 75 points. Just could not. He didn't have his head on him on his shoulders. Uh, bad passes, kind of lackadaisical defending. But then you look at Joseph Morha, and it's like you—he scored like a negative forty-five on ninety minutes because he fouled everyone who came even within three feet of him, and he hoofed some of the worst passes I've ever seen. And then. Uh, if you take a look at, you know, sort of like the graphics of how uh, uh, Colorado lined up their shots, uh, that left or that right side, you know, to their orientation was their bread and butter. Canals, respectable, really, you know, it wasn't until they got within the box on his end that they started taking shots. But on Mora's side, they took any and every look they could see. And so at the end of the game, Colorado tallied 21 shots, 12 on on, uh, goal. Those are me playing FIFA at the middle of the road professional level numbers that I put up, just taking any and every shot because in FIFA, that's what the defense does. They just kind of sit back and they give you all the space in the world to take shots. And that's what we did. So in lieu of not being able to talk to Ben right now, Ken, how am I supposed to go into next week's game with, against Inter-Miami 
and and not feel like we're going to see the same thing again of an awful defense. Some bright spots on on offense, but I need you to talk me from the ledge here. How how are we supposed to interpret? Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of uh, people are definitely feeling like uh, that, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I thought Mora was, had a really, really, really bad game. I mean, all too often, he, he I, I told you this earlier, but he looked, to me, he looked really tired since, you know, the, the starting whistle, um, you know, and uh, often way out of position, having to be covered by uh, usually Felipe, Um and yeah, it was it was really rough, and then that did not get better after halftime. And in fact, it got exponentially worse. Right? Yeah. Uh, I I also thought it was a little strange to start out with Gressel in the middle there. They they kind of moved on from that and 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 put Flores kind of there for a lot of the game and, and Gressel out, outside. But I thought I thought they did pretty well in that first half uh, overall, right? And we had that goal mm-hmm. that was called back, uh, but. You know, yeah. The, <laughs> what what was going on with the the defense there on those? Honestly, the both those goals, uh, especially that last one was killer, right? But yeah, there's yeah. no. I, I I think the the talking off the ledge is is gonna be. You know, this is the first game, like you mentioned. It is a new group of guys. Uh, we did. I thought the first half was was pretty strong overall, to be honest. Uh, you know, not not great, but but decent, like acceptable. I thought uh, that that second half to me, and and you know, I'd say 55th minute plus was just hard, <laughs> hard mm-hmm. to watch, and and you kind of felt what was gonna happen, right? You you kind of knew, and that just reminds me of uh, another team that we know so very well, the 2019 DC United team. Um, yes. And that's what was really scary, right? You kind of saw that stuff coming back. The um, in that second half, the total uh, ineptitude in the in in the final third, the kind of silly mistakes in the back, the lack of subs, la- like really tired guys trying to play professional soccer, mm-hmm. honestly. And so that was my main takeaway: is that we could have used some fresh legs there. And I, you remember our last episode, we talked a little bit about some of the key takeaways, and one of mine was like match fitness right like we need to have an 11 or at least 10 out there that uh that are ready to play 90 minutes or play for however long they can play and they need to be subbed out right like and more didn't seem like he was match fit to like at all at all um yeah but i will say you know we did the, the other positives there was some that i just mentioned but we did get to see emil Assad play uh, I thought that was positive. Um, not that he did anything too spectacular or, or, or great, but it is positive to see that he's not uh, as injured as he was because he did have that uh, groin strain. Yes. Um, and the fact that he got minutes at all means he's the, the coaching staff has some confidence in him to play. So uh, that's about it for positive, super positive, though. So, yeah. But let's go back to that. Uh, Yamal Assad being the only sub in that game. Now, I'm trying to look back at uh, what our lineup was in this game. Um, I can... Okay, so, yeah, we, we actually... I really like what Ben did starting out. Uh, there was an interesting wrinkle to how he started this game with 
sort of like the tra- the traditional four two three one. But what was very fascinating was the fact that he put Gressel at that attacking third or at that attacking midfield. Uh, but what's sort of interesting is every time they sort of took a more defensive posture, uh, Gressel was almost sitting back uh, real deep as sort of a uh, almost, yeah, kind of like a pure central midfielder. And then you had Kamara stepping back as almost like a false nine. Uh, and, and sort of played a very rigid 4-3-3 uh, and, and to a degree high pressing, uh, but I don't think they were necessarily able to cut off passing lanes uh, quite effectively as a high pressing uh, sort of uh, tactic sort of implies. Uh, but what you had was every time we did get the ball and we sort of went more uh, on attack, uh, you had Gressel. Uh, switching places with Flores. So Flores would cut inside and Gressel would take on the wing. And then uh, you'd have Kamara get more more deeper uh, into that attacking role. Uh, so, so we had a really good start with that. And then second half, Olsen sort of ditched that entire approach. And whether that was done because Maybe he wanted the guys to sort of conserve energy, but at the same time, that's why we have subs. And so I'm sort of wondering where where were we on that end? So like he changes tactics to basically say, I'm not going to sub anyone, but I'm going to play more conservatively now. I, I that that kind of escapes me uh, overall. Yeah, well, I definitely noticed that our defensive shape was different because last year, uh, what I what I remember seeing is the the four four two defensive shape where you had usually, I mean, in the beginning you had Acosta and Rooney as those two top top uh, ones, kind of pressing. Not, I mean, I guess technically yes, pressing, but not. Uh, I wouldn't call it a high press necessarily, really, even uh, as as in in their defensive shape last year. But um, yeah, it was definitely a little different. Um, then yeah, it kind of didn't it wasn't the same in the second half, and it was kind of hard for me. It was kind of hard to identify uh, specifically what had changed. So because uh, I was in the supporter sections, it was kind of hard to to see. But um, that's interesting that you noticed they kind of changed the shape a little bit. Uh, could you expand a little more on that? Yeah, it was it was very much in that. It, it was really just the first half. And really, what was what was uh, really nice about that, if you remember, uh, DC would have gone ahead a goal very early in the game uh, because of the way that Gressel and uh, Flores were switching sides, uh, where it was it was on attack, and and Gressel off to the right side found found uh, Flores in the middle. And if he had just held off on his yeah. run for just a heartbeat, uh, he would have been on side. But it was just by the smallest of margin that Gressel and, and Flores linked up for almost a really nice goal. But, uh, you know, good call on the ref, called it offside, and so that got pulled back. Uh, there, was, there was just a lot of activity Um you know, a po- really positive attacking activity uh, from those outfield players. Uh, I know Felipe even had a shot and goal. Uh, that 
if if maybe was lower by about five feet would have been a screamer into the the top of the net but um yeah so like it was just really one of those things where where gressel and flores would just sort of switch on attack and then on defense they'd switch back again and they'd have like a really rigid like four three three and like i said with with gressel falling deep back into that central midfield and Kamara falling back as well. Uh, but like I said, you know, it's because there was there was sort of like the rumors of Ben talking about having a, a high pressing line uh, this season. But you just didn't really have it. You had uh, players playing forward on defense, but you didn't necessarily have a high line that really sort of like cut off the passing lanes like a high press should. Uh, it, in fact, like looking on sort of like the defensive side of things with that back line, they just sat back too far. And then by the time uh, Colorado moved up into that attacking third, you know, part of the pitch, uh, I, they were practically just, they were in the six yard box at that. And, and that was giving, uh, yeah, that was giving Namely uh, all sorts of room to, to pick out passes. Same thing with uh, Acosta, just having all sorts of room to pick out passes. And then uh, Kamara just had a field day, just taking shot after shot. And eventually it did uh, come with a really nice header in the second half. But that was after DC United uh, had a really clever little goal uh, with Gressel taking corner and Canals uh, having a nice little move, kind of bench, bunching up in the uh, middle of the uh, six-yard box, and then just giving the lightest of pushes off his man, dropping back to the uh, back post, and then finding a real nice header cross back into the uh, back of the net. So there there are flashes here uh, of a team that knows what they're doing, uh, but they're, they just seem to lack a lot of confidence and consistency up front. And then again, that defense, completely no-show as as far as uh, how I sort of view it. Yes, Birnbaum played admirably. In fact, he had a really nice header uh, that had just about went in. And then um, Knaus held his own as well. If, if you see uh, on sort of the stat line, he held down his end of the, the field. And really, the only shots that really uh, were attempted uh, were well within the six-yard box. Whereas if you look at the other side with Mora, they were, I mean, it was just pelting that end with shots. Whether they were good shots or not, and believe me, some of those shots were awful. Uh, he still was not able to lock people down, uh, but fouling more than any. And so like that's just, to me, that's just really unacceptable. And I think I've gotten away from your first question where I was trying to <laughs> expound on, on sort of like that formation shift, but... Uh, that's a sort of, you know, I, I guess my main point being, if you're going to play that high press, you've got to be able to lock down teams. And DC United just didn't seem to be able to do that uh, this weekend. Well, right. Yeah, I think the the most important part um, is, is if you're going to do any type of, I guess not any type, but most types of presses, you you need to be able to cut out those passing lanes because if you don't, you're kind of just running around and the other team can just play right out of it and just make a, yeah. a simple pass. And then you're like, well, that, right? So 
you you really need to be able to do that in terms they were, of you know so they were more aggressively like marking up the pitch if that makes sense but nobody was really cutting off those lanes they were playing close to guys but you can't really say that was a high press because they weren't really putting anyone under pressure or they you know they didn't have a top line really pressuring guys and then the midline cutting off those lanes and they just didn't seem to do that so and then they abandoned it all together in the second half and they just played that sort of more rigid uh four two three one and no real shifts going on between uh giving you know like i said having a different look on defense than they do on offense and so like i'm just sort of wondering why he would go about you know doing that and so when we look at the bench we had uh you know O'Neill Fisher uh Chris Adoy Atsum Amin Osad Emmanuel Boateng Kevin Paredes Eric Sorga uh lining up and so aside from Assad, Ben didn't see anyone else really being able to get in there it's just I don't know I I don't I don't know where Ben's head at is at season it was a game that he sort of gave up on on being truly like creative and progressive and active. He did it halfway and he just gave up on it. Well, yeah, it's also frustrating because it's like, you know, I, I I guess I understand what he means by we don't the height, I guess, but like we're also at home opening day. Like, can we try to win? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't why are we I, you know, I, and 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 the other thing is like okay, well then don't take out the tall people, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. It, there, there's many ways around that. that doesn't, and, and maybe there's something deeper in, in what he's trying to say. Maybe I, I don't think so, but, you know, I don't think that um, is the case. I mean, look, when it comes to defense, it is, in, in, in my perspective, it's a 70-30 split uh, between the, the physical attributes and the mental attribute. And so where I see it on defense, it is 70% the mental. And being aware, marking your men, and having just a, a general desire to win the ball. And aside, you know, aside from, you know, Birnbaum and Knaus, we didn't really have that. And so I'm sort of wondering, like, why would you not, you know, if like you said, Mora completely look checked out so why wouldn't why wouldn't you put one of your bench players in like say start of the second half and just you know have someone that can at least lock down that that left side or or at least you know put an effort into doing and so that's where i'm sort of like why why did that why did that go the way it went yeah totally yeah i i I totally agree there Uh, especially with more like I, yeah, I think that would have been a halftime sub for me. I mean, uh, Fisher, mm-hmm. Odoyat, some, some someone, right? Like, I think you got to do something. And and if they can't play on the left, then which they can, I feel, uh, yep. better than Moro was, I feel like, um, especially Chris. But if they can't, then you say, hey, Knaus, you're a left back today. I don't know, right? Like, you've got to you got to do something there because he was getting kind of smoked. And no, he really was. It was it was kind of embarrassing, honestly. And he's a great player, but it's something was down. And and so, 
that was a rough watch. I feel like that that one was the big glaring uh, thing for me. But even if you don't put in another defender, like I was saying, like we should be going for that game. I feel, and, and you know, it's it's early in the season, so maybe it's the fan in me, but. I feel like we should have been going for that game. Take out Mora, put in, I don't know, Sorga. I mean, that's an aggressive, very, very aggressive, right? But, yeah. like, something. I mean, it, it definitely felt like you, you could feel you could feel how the game was going to go. <laughs> and yeah. you can feel that last year vibes. And so it's like, if you feel that, go for it anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's easy for me to say I'm not responsible for it. But, you know, you're kind of playing with house money at that point since you've let the game get to that to that uh, place where it's not looking too good. Now, here's here's another question I have. Uh, look, I know Kai Kamara. He's a tall guy, all twelve foot nine of them. Nah, I'm kidding, but you know, look, whatever the height is, how in the world can can this team make a thirty five year old look like a twenty five year old again? He was all over the place in, in good ways and in not so good ways he really was just kind of hacking at every single shot he could get his foot on but uh foot and head but it's a sort of at that point it's, it's not a height thing it's a desire thing and the defense completely lacked that uh on that header that kamara won burn bomb or not burn bomb but briant was just sort of in that general area. I wouldn't even say he was marking Kamara. It's just he was there. The ball was coming at him, and he was like, well, I guess I'm going to react. But then Kamara just knew exactly what he was doing, came up and, and snatched at it and, and put it in. So what, if you're Ben, what do you say to this defense now? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I don't even know if it's a desire thing, but because it, to me it seemed like they, they just were not – uh, especially Mora, but they were not match fit. Like they were literally not ready to play for 60 plus minutes, uh, you know? So I don't know if it's a desire thing or like physically could not do some of those things. Um, but it was not great for sure. For whatever reason, uh, did not, did not look good. Now I want to put that. I, I have exercised my deep. Now, I just want to say, you know, uh, you know, uh, I, I miss being there, you know, having moved to South Dakota. But, you know, I want to I want to get a general sense of uh, how was the atmosphere at the stadium? What was, what was your, you know, sort of opening day visit like over there? Uh, well, I had a <laughs> I had a really good day. Um, it started pretty early. I went to the RFK Refugees uh, live show at the Screaming Eagles tailgate. Uh drank uh, quite a few free beers, um, went over, you know, to the stadium. Uh, and I got to say, I mean, for the, for the first while, I mean, um, up until really that first goal was disallowed, honestly, I thought the atmosphere was kind of awesome. I mean, it's hard to really judge from inside the sporter section because everything sounds loud, but I thought it was pretty good. I did hear some people saying it wasn't uh, that great, I guess, but to me it was fine. That, that first goal being disallowed, took kind of the air out of me a little bit and and I'm assuming some of the other supporters but you know I think in that second half it did die down a bit uh because you did like again like I said you kind of felt you know how it was gonna go uh because we've been there but yeah I, I I had a good time I I went to the club shop got a hat uh two hats a scarf um so I got the Bill Hamid 
uh, scarf, the new one. So I, it looks pretty good to me. But yeah, I had a good good time overall, even though we lost. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, plenty of beer. I saw one of the um, you know how they have the those guys uh, that that walk around with the beer or whatever. Yeah. I uh, I have one one guy that I've uh, always bought beer from, so uh, I always say hi to him and buy beer from him. Um, so that was kind of cool to see him again. Uh, I asked him a bit about the Defenders thing. He didn't work it, but told me some cool stuff. Um, and and on that topic, I didn't think the field looked as bad as those pictures did on uh, the day before the match, honestly. Uh, so that was kind of uh, kind of good. I I'm also not one to react too negatively on that to be honest but but still it looked it looked pretty uh pretty decent uh considering those photos that were were published they were not great uh i don't i don't know how long the xfl season is but i mean you know like you said doesn't seem that bad but uh you know as as the sort of spring months wear on do you see it getting worse or is it going to do you think we'll be able to manage like all, all I'm asking is like, are we gonna have a moment where like players are gonna be kicking off sections of turf like they do at Yankee Stadium? Well, I don't think so. I think so. The XFL season's over uh, by April first, um, okay. so we have four more weeks, and the XFL is paying for a uh, full replacement of the field. Um, we don't necessarily know how the playoffs will will, will go, but. The defenders have lost two games straight, scoring zero points. So I'm not, I'm not sure how much we have to worry about that at this point um, after having a really good start to the season. But, yeah, so I, we might not have to worry about that. But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's one of those things where it's very, very possible. And I would say likely that come, you know, June 1st, we're all like, oh, yeah, I guess I remember that. But not really. Whatever. Um, as the field looks pristine and, and is playing amazingly. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on it, to be honest. Good. Oh, that's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. You know, but like, like you said, there's been some conflicting reports about sort of like the general atmosphere. But I guess, you know, you're saying that things were good, you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully if we can get a win, uh, you know. Surely you'd think against Miami, right? Upstart team. Coming off uh, a loss. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess the, the only thing is I hope it's not as cold for that game. That's, that It was pretty cold. But, um, yeah, I guess not to dwell too much. I think uh, you could find some of my positive thoughts and it's spewed throughout that conversation. Uh, but, yeah, we, we are going to play Miami uh, this weekend. And they just played LAFC at LAFC. Um, and you you mentioned to me that you had watched that game, so uh, I guess why don't we start out with like how uh, Miami looks because this is the first game they've ever played uh, in terms of a competition. Right, uh, Miami not so bad. It was uh, you know I think if it wasn't for Vermeer uh, putting in, gosh, probably probably an effort uh, that that could rival that of of a. Uh, you know, goalkeeper in the heat of the MLS playoff, uh, stopping some some really fantastic shots. Uh, there's the possibility that that Miami could have away with from that with points. Uh, but if, if it wasn't for uh, Carlos Vela on his birthday, kind of 
kind of just putting away one of the cheekiest of chip shots that anyone could ever put up. Uh, there's cheeky where you've got one-on-one against a goalkeeper and, you know, from the penalty spot, you kind of give a little movement and then you, you chip it over once the keeper commits. But this was, got you know, close to 18 yards out and he just kind of lops it over and the ball just by like the thinnest of margin gets just finds that little space between the post and the outstreet hand of the keeper and, and finds it its way in. Uh, they really kind of put up a, a really good effort. And, you know, I would say that L.A. just overall looked really, really strong. Um, and in fact, like scary strong. And the fact that uh, Miami was able to sort of hold that off is, is really impressive to me so you know overall uh miami just had some real nice moves on the counter uh i think they caught miami's defense just sort of out of sorts from time to time uh really nice through balls and and that whole front four uh just just looks poised to do some damage this season i think they are for sure going to show up uh, but I would say, yeah, as, as far as uh, Miami, you've got uh, Pellegrini and Pizarro. I feel like they're going to pick out passes all day if the defense that DC United has uh, or showed this weekend shows up next weekend. And that's terrifying. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I watched this game, too. I thought both goalkeepers did had a lot of uh, a lot of challenging saves honestly I thought I was impressed by both of them um, except on that chip I think Robles was a little far out but but still I mean that literally by by maybe an inch or two that that chip got in and it was it was a you know no matter who you are you got to give it up for that that was quite quite something um, but I mean it also it also says you know that's what it took to beat Miami it took something that was uh, you know, goal of the year contender, um, honestly. So it, it's going to be interesting. I think uh, LAFC is looking really, really, really good, right? They just beat the best team in, in Liga MX and uh, mm-hmm. 3-0. So this is not this is not uh, ye old M- MLS team. This is potentially the best MLS team ever to exist. Uh, so that's important. And, yeah. and they, they kind of barely beat Miami. I mean... In terms of score, I think, you know, th- they had a lot of chances that, that Robles did save. I, I think, uh, do you agree with that? I, I, that's, what I, that's what I came uh, away from anyway. I would agree with that. And really, like, uh, got to hand it to Beckham for putting together, like, yeah, a very solid team that I, I think in all regret or all respects uh, really did hold LAFC. If it wasn't for just kind of like a really unfortunate positioning by Robles and then just, I think a really lucky shot by Vela. Uh, they very well could have gone away with a point in, which was really hostile environment coming into LAFC's right. uh, Bank of California um, just with a really hostile crowd and had got to hand it to those uh, inter Miami fans. They had a tiny little little sliver uh, up in a up in the corner, but those fans 
showed up and and they really like sold out uh for for Miami. So they seem to have like a, a you know budding culture that that could I'd be interested to see like what that home atmosphere is going to be like uh when when they have their opener. So got to say, you know, hey with uh Robinson up at that number 9 uh and you have uh Pellegrini and Pizarro uh both I just just really talented playmakers uh I, I'm so terrified right now. And can you talk me off the ledge here? Is is there something that DC can do to show up next week and and get a win ideally, but maybe the best we can ask for is, is a point out of this one, considering how Miami showed up? Yeah, I mean, and, and it's also a Miami team that was not uh, fully figured out. You saw a lot of frustration from Pizarro um, even, even during that performance. So... There's obviously some things they're going to be working on as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I mentioned this on last episode, but our first five games, <laughs> I said we'd be lucky to win two. Uh, so I, I still mean that. I, I think we're still mm. figuring this out. And, and it, you know, the, that loss doesn't make it easier to, to be optimistic. But, again, we're, we're, we're not really match fit. Hopefully that's taken care of. Um, you know, we – we've really got to uh, use those subs. I think that's going to be the key, right? Like, it, even if it's just to get some some fresh legs after the 65th minute uh, uh, during during this match, it's really going to be key, you know? Yeah. But uh, no, not not able to talk you off the ledge because I'm not too optimistic. But um, I don't, I guess my, my only thing is like, I don't think, I don't think we're going to win, um, but I don't think it matters that much uh, if if that is helpful, because, again, like, you know, things change. First of all, things change in general so much in, in this sport, but things change so much in MLS. Uh, you know, mm. you have a horrible team for the first 10 games or vice versa, and then it's totally different. And that could definitely be us, uh, you know, and this is really, I think, the last year that they're going to be, you know, extend. You know, Olsen's contract's up at the end of the year. I'm, uh, you yeah. Know, so the, I, I think he knows that. Obviously, everyone knows that. And um, I think that's kind of why we're starting to see a little bit different. Uh, I, I also saw some differences on how we started to build up um, dur- during possession uh, in, in that first half. So building on top of that, too, and like, you know, again, like back to basics, like I said last week, completing those passes, getting those like because there's a lot of times in that first half where, like, things were almost on. Like, there was just, mm-hmm. like, right, like, it's just, like, the timing is a little off, which you expect with uh, new players. Uh, but, but yeah, getting those things right, I think, you know, you, you saw a lot uh, in that first half. So I, I'm not too uh, pessimistic. But, but yeah, you know. Would, I, would you be calling me too pessimistic if I think Sorga should have a shot over Kamara next week? Uh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think so. Okay. I, yeah. If you want perspective of how far, you know, leaning off the ledge I am, that's about where I am. Cause I, w- <laughs> I said I was over being worked up, but where where was Kamara in all of this, Mister? I'm gonna tear it up this season. And as far as I can tell, the. Ugh! I can't pick out too much that says, you know, I can't really say like, oh, if only he just sort of 
you know, was, was here or there or whatever, or just had a little bit of extra something. I don't know if I can rightfully say that. What was your take on Kamar? Uh, he did not do well, but I think that position is so finicky with, with this kind of change in this quick, right? Like if Kamar, like that's a quick way to, uh, really kill, kill a confidence of a position that is, some say most of the position, right? Like, yeah. So I, I think we're going to see Kamara playing 70 plus minutes of all of our first 15 or so games, to be honest, um, unless something happens or he's like really bad or like really not listening to directions. But I think that's the kind, I mean, right or not, I think they're going to stick with him. Uh, And I mean, Sorga seems like a really strong backup. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, it's just, it's, it's that Estonian league, man. I don't, I I don't know. (laughs) I'd at least like to see. Yeah. I don't know. I would have, like I said, I would have liked to have seen maybe if it was trash time last five minutes of the game, I would have liked to see something, uh, you know, if it would have been like, yeah, at some or, Fisher or something coming in, um, you know, for for Mora at least to round something out. Like, man, the fact that you're just going to use one sub in 90 minutes kills me. Yeah, no, I, totally. So. I would have really liked to see Sorga. Um, even yeah, even if like you said five minutes, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's just it's the first game, man. <laughs> you gotta you gotta take it easy on yourself, if anything. <laughs> Um, it's a long <laughs> season, right? Like, I know, and I even I I probably sounded so even headed and everything last weekend, like being like, oh yeah, I want to get the losses out early, so that you know, if you can work out the kinks early and then hit the wave, you know, by you know late spring, early summer, and just start you know getting some good consistent results, then I'm fine with that. But yeah, I don't know. I think that sort of shows like. I was feeling real optimistic, and then just I think that gives perspective of just how poor and out of form uh, the the team seen this weekend. Uh, the attacking side was fine. I can live with with that, with them eventually finding their footing. But on the defense, you can't not show up like that. And and unfortunately, like I said, only fifty percent of our defense did. And and that's really disappointing. Yeah, no, I, I I totally I totally feel that. I mean, and especially the last minute uh, goal doesn't help either, right? That kind yep. of was just a huge blow. But yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, it's the first first game. All of these teams are kind of in in similar positions, except I guess those CCL teams. Um, you know, I definitely think uh, you know the. The more you know, we, we seem to struggle. I think the the hotter that seat, the already hot seat becomes even hotter for for Ol- Olson and and his assistant coaches. And you know they they've already identified the need to bring in assistant coaches, and that kind of has happened. Not really, <laughs> but yeah, the, the the team knows, right? Like it's not like they're oblivious to to what's going on or, or you know the stats around it because they're they're pulling the stats, they're pulling the expected goals. And expected goals against they they know what's going on and 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 the contributions uh that some certain decisions are contribute to that and you know i i know it's 
it's not necessarily that helpful, but I, I, I think we, let's say we win 2-0 against Miami next week uh, and we look great, then we have a much different discussion. So yeah, um, that's what, like that's the thing, right? Like you know how it is. Like in 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 12 games, we could be looking at like remember how stupid we sounded when we were so mad. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, just like we think we're so stupid for sounding so optimistic now, but you know, I, I still feel relatively optimistic to be honest. So I I was disappointed, obviously, especially being there and 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 seeing that that live. But I really did see Seattle Flores, especially in that in that first half, that that got me excited. And and Gressel with some of the balls he was he was doing, I, I felt pretty excited. And and that energy was there for for a decent amount of time from most of the players. Uh, in that first half. So I'm hoping that they don't, you know, take from this game that, oh, that was what the problem was, right? But mm-hmm. instead realize, oh, like, we, we, we're we on to something. Some of this stuff that we've been thinking about or, or working on is uh, is what we want to continue to do. Right. Yeah. Uh, anything anything else as far as, you know, that match or, or the weekend goes, uh, you know, 25 years of MLS, you know, what, you know, sort of looking at results around, you know, what, how do you, how do you feel about some of the teams? This well, I think the, one of the things that happened uh, was Joseph Martinez tearing his ACL, which was really, really sad to see. Yeah. Um, he's so huge for the league and, and, you know, that, I you mean, we know about how changes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we know how hard that hits, uh, uh, you know, uh, an MLS fan base because we recently had that with Areola, right? Like, we know yeah. how how much that hurts, and you know, Joseph's kind of you know such a personality for the league and 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 is someone who uh, represents our league well in in South America and in in uh, his national team uh, time and. It's really sad because first game, it's just, and it didn't even, like when you watch it, I mean, this is kind of how a lot of these ACL things go, but it didn't look mm-hmm. that bad. And then he immediately starts pointing at it and it's like, oh God, you already know, you know, immediately yeah. he's pointing at that knee and he's just like, that's not, that you, you always know. And it's just really sad. So that's the main thing that this week was uh, really disappointing as an MLS fan. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. That's that's heartbreaking. And so, uh, you know, especially someone yeah who really is getting featured so heavily uh, with with like MLS marketing and all of that uh, to see that happen. You know, they did come away with the win this weekend, but you know, like you were saying, how things can change so drastically in MLS. You know, what how does that impact Atlanta? Then and then you know, for me, like one of the most surprising results was uh, Minnesota United pulling out that 3-1 win against Portland and right. showing, you know, maybe they're, they're a team to be uh, reckoned with uh, this season with, with Kevin Molino pulling out a, a fantastic brace game. Um, kind of kind of excited, you know, especially with, with new upstart teams, you know, coming out and, not you know, not – doing the typical thing that upstart teams do, which is you know, typically be bad be for terrible. five yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. Now, Minnesota, they did have a really rough launch. Their first couple of years were really, really rough, but they they offloaded people. They brought in some, some really talented guys, and they seem to have some solid depth, and that's a team that could 
you know, very much surprise. Uh, same thing with Colorado. They looked, they looked good. Uh, you know, I don't know if yeah. it's so much that Colorado looked so good or DC United looked so bad, but um, yeah, talk about talk about a couple of surprising results again uh, from some from some teams who who have have uh, not had the best of recent. So yeah, that that you know, really really good stuff. Overall. Yeah, I I always hate uh, watching Seattle or or Portland on TV because to me like the I guess it's the color of the field or, or something about those fields they yes. just look so bad. You notice that too, right? Like it's weird. Absolutely, it's it, like they, washed out or, so, or it's something. It just well, and especially just with the uniforms, you know, like when I play right, FIFA, right. if I if I play against Portland or uh, Seattle. They're going away colors, regardless of where that game is happening. It's just that's just kind of the worst. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's sort of yeah, that's my take on on this week. Uh, anything else you wanted to talk about? I thought it was really cool that Nashville sold so many tickets. Um, what was it, 55, 56, somewhere around there? Yeah, something. I mean, anything more than 30 is, <laughs> to me, amazing as a long, long-time supporter of the league. I mean, honestly, anything better than 15,000 is still kind of breaking my mind uh, after some of the years we had. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that was just, it, it, it seems, you know, we've had these teams do this now for, for a little bit since kind of, you know, Seattle, I guess, uh, in, in some other some other examples. Um, obviously, since then, there's been Atlanta, you know, stuff like that. But, like, it's just such a big deal that that many people went to a soccer game in Nashville, Tennessee, in the South. Um, that's yeah. been a big thing, right? Like, oh, soccer's never going to work in the South. I mean, Atlanta proved that wrong pretty, pretty aggressively, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And so it's nice to see that it's not an isolated incident. Uh, hopefully it continues, right? But, like... 55,000 people, that's, that's, you know, that's a lot of people for, for a live event. Um, and especially yeah. for soccer, that's just, and it broke the record for most uh, in Tennessee ever or something for soccer. So it, I don't think that can be understated. And I actually thought Nashville did a pretty good job. Um, I actually like their uniform a little bit. Um, I Really? I, I, I did. Yeah. A lot of people, like, I guess everyone else was like, that that stuff is terrible, but I actually kind of liked it to be honest. Um, it looks refreshing to me, like like lemonade. I don't know, like it looks well, it looks it looks different. Even though I know Columbus, but like it looks different even than that to me. It looks I don't know, like new um, stuff. I don't know. I can dig it. Uh, you know, I would. Yeah, you know, uh, really really impressive how the league is rebuilding an identity. Uh, like you said, in those early years, uh, you know, 1996 to, gosh, you almost want to say like 2008, uh, things were real lean around that time. And then even, yeah, it's just within the last few years that the league has, has built up a pretty incredible stature. The joke has always been like, uh, you know, MLS is the league of future of the future since, you know, it's first incarnation as, as the NASL back in the seventies, like soccer is the future. So we're bringing in, you know, uh, Pele, Johan Cruyff, and, you know, these, these great, you know, blockbuster players, but now it's sort of like, yeah, you've got, you've got 
really good players coming in, but you've got a very solid uh, foundation of fan support. So it's really good seeing how much MLS it, it seems to be at, at minimum paying lip service to it, <laughs> you know, considering kind of the, the uh, bad blood that seemed to boil up a little bit last year. Uh, with with supporters and the league itself. So the fact that this year they're really uh, sort of giving fans their their due diligence is uh, you know good is that they're they're acknowledging that. Yeah, I guess the only disappointing thing was I think uh, we had around what sixteen and a half thousand at DC. I would have liked to see more. I think. It's so cold against the Rapids. I think you know that's a little bit hard of a sell, right? But um, yeah, we'll see against Miami. That's that's for me. That'll be the real bar, right? Like uh, maybe not the bar, but that'll be an interesting thing, right? Because like Miami, they're new. Uh, Beckham, uh, Pizarro, uh, and and uh, hopefully not as cold. I don't think it will be, but um, that'll be to me like I, I I'm kind of hoping for a sellout to be honest. So. I would say for certain, like, it'll probably be the Galaxy bringing in Chicharito. Had a rough start, you know, is in his own way uh, for his first game. But you got to think Galaxy's going to a lot of people just just to see it. Uh, if, if LAFC stays hot, a lot of people are going to want to come in, see Carlos Vela. Uh, hopefully not cook DC too much, but, uh, you know. Like last year, <laughs> yeah. Woo. So, you know, really, I mean, it's kind of, ah, does that say something about, I, I don't know, it's sort of like, we're sort of talking about the other team bringing in uh, uh, attention. Um, but at least it's it's the teams themselves rather than, you know, some older European player. It's it's really actually like more players that have have grown on this side of the sphere. So, uh, you know, I guess, I guess there's some positivity to, to look at that, you know, that I guess that's sort of like the MLS 3.0, where it's really, instead of bringing in kind of like the dinosaurs from the bigger, more prestigious leagues, we're seeing a lot of movement, uh, among, you know, from Liga MX up to MLS. So that's, that's, uh, that's, that's a really good sign of progress in a way, but there's definitely, a lot of work that needs to be done. Yeah, I mean, I guess my I I kind of agree. I, I I think the only thing is like my point is it being Miami is like it, it feels like the real home opener kind of. It's like yeah, the Rapids. It's like uh yeah, but we're playing Miami in a week. Why don't we just go to that one kind of thing? Um, but uh, it, not necessarily just because of the the prestige around quote unquote not proven but but uh, hypothetical prestige around the club of Miami, but um, yeah, I mean, I also saw a lot of people uh, supporting um, Flores with Peruvian stuff. I think a lot of people came out for that, which I thought was nice. really encouraging. Um, I think you'll get even more of that with the Miami game, you know. Uh, so, and I think that'll be exciting, um, you know, kind of seeing Flores against uh, Miami. I think it'll be more exciting uh, for, for uh, the Peruvian fans um, as well, uh, because I think... I mean, there's a large Latino population in Miami, and and it's something where uh, it's you know more you know you think more about Miami than you do about Colorado uh, in general, right? So it's like yeah. okay, you can kind of see that. So I'm kind of excited. I hope we 
do better on attendance. I, I'm I'm pretty positive we will. Uh, so I think we'll start to tell pretty pretty soon with with ticket prices. Maybe uh, can keep track of that. Um, but yeah, I guess the only other thing I wanted to chat about too is um, we talked last week about Federico Higuain uh, coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, quote unquote potentially and now it seems I mean it is confirmed by the the club not just Stephen Goff uh, and the and uh, Pablo Mar of the Athletic. Yeah, uh, you know the <laughs> you know uh, I I love the reports that uh, Iguain was in the locker room after the game and so I'm right, kind of right. like well you know what if he's sticking out around after that I guess that's a sign so you know I'll take it. Uh, right. Yeah, <laughs> we we, we kind of talked that to death, but I guess just to sort of recap, um, this is mostly a move for, you know, uh, bringing, bringing Iguain in as a uh, player coach. Uh, he's going to spend about six weeks uh, sort of getting match fit because he tore his ACL last season, uh, but he's being brought in because he's got some interesting links with Argentina and uh, he's got a really good football mind. And that's something that Ben really touched on is the guy, you know, not only does he have a great mind, but he also has a really deep fire in his belly, probably has a lot to prove, you know, having been offloaded by uh, the Columbus crew who he served for uh, a a good number of years. And so, uh, you know, very, very excited to see sort of what fruits uh, come from this new relationship. Yeah, totally. I, we, we did talk a lot about it last week, but uh, yeah, I think, you know, I think that's, you know, there's a lot of people saying different stuff uh, in, you know, on Twitter or whatever, but I personally think it's a good move. Um, I, I think it might be that, that one extra piece we need, uh, you know, especially if, you know, not not the same position that Paul was playing, but but still, it's it's added depth uh, in in that attacking third. So that that's always good, for sure. Um, yeah, that I mean, that's like I said, uh, really interesting ties to Argentina. Uh, I th- for what I can tell, that seems to be a lot of where DC United's scouting focus seems to be going. Uh, so having that name tied uh is is going to be big um i think uh, assad if if he can find his form uh he will be a, a threat on that left side um yeah you know having having worked out you know my frustrations i i do feel overall still good about the team uh maybe not thinking that they're going to go real deep this season but i think they are uh building for the future and in some regards so uh that i i'm starting to feel better about all well yeah i'm glad to talk you back from that that ledge a little bit maybe it seems um do you have predictions for the miami game well i mean geez uh robinson is only an inch shorter than uh (laughs) kai kamara so yeah yeah Height is going to be a uh, factor again. And like I said, uh, with Pellegrini and Pizarro, uh, if, if, if DC gives them the space that they gave uh, Colorado this week, uh, they're going to get just... Uh, the, Pizarro's is going to have a, a highlight game 
if that's the case. He's going to find Robinson. He's going to find uh, holes to move inside. Uh, it's just, He's going to score. <laughs> he's going to score. Um, I if if our if our attacking you know prowess can come together, I, I would feel confident saying that DC can put up two. Uh, we very well could have put up two this week, uh, save for uh, uh, an unfortunate offside call on Flores. Uh, I, ben needs to commit to one thing or another. If he's going to play that fluid high press, uh, he's got to get that worked out. Um, otherwise, this just they're not going to have an identity. And if they go back on their uh, haunches in the second half, we're going to get picked apart. So uh, all, all I can really ask for is, is um, a dedication to something. Even if we lose, you know, say 3-2 or something like that, uh, if, we're, if we can go that full 90 showing creativity on the offensive side, then I'll be okay with that. But I don't want to see that 2019 feeling coming back again because that's why I felt so down about this opening game was I felt like we didn't exercise any of the ghosts from last season. So, yeah, exactly. That's I want to see progress, not necessarily expecting a win, but if I can see something that says, okay, this team's got an idea now, and they're going to work together, and through the course of the season, they will solidify. But if it's again, you know, just sort of wishy-washy, uh, falling back on old habits, uh, then I'm going to be, you're going to have to talk me back from the ledge again. So uh, there might be more of that coming up so we'll just have to see how about you what's your prediction yeah so i i uh i kind of think um i think you're you're we're aligned on two, two goals <laughs> for dc but i i i think it'll be a 2-2 uh tie i think we start to to get some stuff together i think um you know i think we might even see a different uh lineup i'm hoping maybe something different <laughs> uh maybe maybe not i i don't know about that but i i could see Assad coming in uh, for someone, I'm not sure who, but you could see that happening. Um, I, I, I think more importantly, way more importantly, I think we need to use those subs. Like, like I said, like if if we're not going to be full, if if you're all not going to be fully fit, then we either need to start someone who's fully fit, or we need to bring in subs at you know halftime, 65 minutes, uh, 75 minutes, um, yeah. and and not just one. So that that's kind of how I think. But I do think we pull out a tie here. I think. Uh, I think the team will understand the importance of this game um, and, and how that will, uh, you know, affect even themselves going forward. Um, you know, the Rapids, you know, whatever kind of uh, first game, whatever. But but now, you know, it's we're starting the real season here. And, and uh, you know, it's it's Miami. It's it's at home. And, you know, this is the kind of game where if you win throughout the season, we'll be like, oh, you know, this happened, but we did beat Miami, you know, th that kind of thing. So I think they know the importance of, of winning this game, um, especially since it'll be our last home game for a few weeks. So, you know, if the fans really want to see that. And so I think they're going to they're gonna pull out a tie, not quite make it, um, but we'll show uh, more improvement over, over last game. I hope you're right. Um... I guess we're we're coming up close to the end of the show. Uh, did you have any shout-outs in mind? 
yeah, I wanted to give one shout out to uh, DC United Kingdom at DC United Kingdom on Twitter. Um, if you follow the show, you probably already know about them. <laughs> uh, but uh, James runs that. Um, I think, you know, uh, I've been on that podcast, you know, big, big supporter of, of, of what he's doing. Um, it's cool, especially because, you know, he's in the United Kingdom and uh, spreading uh, DC, um, you know, support anywhere, even if it's one or two fans uh, at a time. It's it's I think it's pretty cool and, and pretty critical as, you know, if this league is going to be what they say it's going to be, which who knows. But uh, that international support could be pretty cool and critical and like getting the, the message out there sooner um is is i think a worthy goal and i'll just uh piggyback on that um james who is uh you know the host of dc united kingdom one of the warmest hosts uh you'll ever listen to on a podcast the guy i don't know if it's a british thing i there it, this might be the anglophile uh me speaking but um there's a there's a certain thing to listening to his show that's so nice. It's like you know uh, either a BBC Radio or Radio One quality to him that like I just really really like and and he has one of the best uh, sort of uh, kind of radio voices uh, that I've heard and he you know like I said as a host uh, just one of the warmest personalities. Uh, he's got this knack for just making his guests feel like they've they've known each other for a really long time i think uh you know he just brings on really interesting people uh he had on uh the president of the screaming eagles on last week and they had a really good interview sort of talking about uh sort of the history of dc united and the supporter groups and and how that's all kind of grown together past 25 years so uh really really good stuff from him and yeah that's a it's a fantastic uh shout out from you that's that's really good yeah totally uh go you can go check him out on twitter at dc united kingdom it's spelled how it sounds i guess obviously um but yeah i definitely agree with everything daniel just said uh but yeah i think that's about it for the show um, I guess the only other shout out I'll, I'll say is uh, to, for the for this week, since I went to the RFK Refugees podcast, um, which was hosted by the Screaming Eagles, I think um, giving them both a shout out, uh, Screaming Eagles and RFK Refugees. I thought it was a fun event. Um, I, I drank a lot of beer, so that was fun. Um, and, you know, I, I, I thought it was a good show as well, which is also on their feed. So yeah, I had I had fun. I got to meet some some people. I met some Colorado fans who flew in for the game, um, and and yeah, everyone was super nice. So I thought that was uh, really cool. Yeah, and I guess on my end, just a couple of shout outs. Uh, Switch the pitch, uh, which is a really good, yes, uh, you know, female centric uh, soccer website that primarily focuses on MLS and the uh, women's national team. Uh, Good friend of ours, Sarah Kalassi, uh, is the editor-in-chief. Really good website, good news coverage. Um, Sarah just has a a fantastic Twitter game, and and she is a uh, great correspondent um, at DC United Games. So she is uh, always worth a follow. Uh, I think it's it's at Sarah Kalassi on on Twitter. Uh, That's... uh, I want to say that's two L's and two S's followed by a Y in her name. So uh, she's worth a follow and uh, switch the pitch, which is 
switch the pitch one on Twitter and then uh, switch the pitch soccer.com. And then the other one is a really good newsletter that I've subscribed to called the daily footy club. And that's on Twitter, daily footy club, and then dailyfootyclub.com. If you're interested in sort of like getting some quick bites of what's happening over in Europe. So really good stuff right there. Yeah, definitely. That was actually mine for next week, but, um, oh. Oh. but no, that's cool. I mean, we're aligned, it seems on all these. I think the one thing that, um, I mentioned, God, probably on one of the first episodes when, when we had Sarah on is, um, and at the time it was called MLS female, but I think one of the really cool things that I've been uh, using switch the pitch for is, you know, I can't watch all the MLS games. Like I mm-hmm. physically cannot, I'm doing things. I'm, you know, going places. I'm, you know, on a date with my girl. It's like, I'm always doing something. So I can't make all, I can't watch all the games. So when I follow their account, there's like updates and stuff. And so it helps me keep uh, track of, of all the different scores or like uh, happenings around the league. Uh, but but it's not overbearing or too much at all. It's it's just the right amount. And so I use that to kind of, uh, you know, oh, I'll, I'll see something on there and I'll be like, oh, okay. And then I can go search it or go on their website or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think it's a really good resource if, if you're like me and can't watch every single MLS game. Yeah, again, you know, they, they show up to all the games, uh, you know, reporting live from the stadium. So yeah, like you said, really good reporting from them. And Really a crucial resource that helps you stay plugged in when you can't always be plugged in. Absolutely. And uh, I think that'll about do it for this week. Um, do you want to tell the uh, listeners how to find you and, and, and all that? Yeah, again, uh, Twitter and Instagram is S Dakota Soccer. And my name is Daniel Wise, and I run the Soccer Made Simple newsletter which you can subscribe to at tinyletter.com forward slash soccer made simple. And that's going to be relaunching next week with the brand new uh, soccer made simple podcast, which can be found uh, searching in Spotify, Google podcast, and soon Apple podcast uh, for soccer made simple. And then if you want to get it right at the source and also uh, send me uh, some voice messages or questions uh, that's at anchor.fm forward slash Daniel dash wise. So would love to hear from people who have, you know, pressing soccer questions that, you know, even for people who are knowledgeable of the sport, if they have questions that they're just too afraid to ask, you know, I, I love being able to kind of look up different esoteric things and then be able to uh, explain it for just about anyone to understand. So yeah, I'm, I'm super into doing that and yeah, would appreciate any and all follows looking to, like you said, with James over the, in the UK, I'm just sort of trying to create soccer fans, one listener at a time. So that's, it's just been a, a really joyful project for me. Yeah, totally. Make sure you check that out. Um, you can find the podcast and, and all the other stuff that I'm doing with DC United at DCU underscore soccer. Um, if, if you like the podcast, please make sure to head over to, you know, uh, iTunes or whatever you're listening on and, and give it a, a rating. Um, but yeah, I think that's all for this week. Um, see you next week.